0: I want to welcome you guys all to church today. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, if you're here for the, the graduation weekend, man, we're so excited to meet you and we're so thankful that you're with us. If you're watching online and uh, wherever you're watching from, whether it's Arizona or California, Alaska, man, we're so thankful. Uh, we started a series, as Pastor John was mentioning, last week, and the series is called 50 Days. It's called 50 Days, and it's a reference to um, the celebration of Pentecost. Because the word Pentecost is the Greek word that means 50. And it's 50 days because it's 50 days from the the, the cross of Christ. You count 50 days and it was Pentecost. And last week we went through this this whole thing to connect the, the feasts of Leviticus 23 to the cross and the events of the cross, but also to, to connect the, feasts, uh, the Feast of Weeks and the other feasts there connected to Pentecost, and it was like this whole thing. And I know that may sound confusing, so if you're like, what is that even about? That seems interesting. I invite you to go to our, our website, go to YouTube, and you can find the message or, or listen to our podcast. Um, but but the, the premise of this series is that we want to, through the, the, the understanding of Pentecost— we want a deeper understanding of the Holy Spirit. That's what it was really about. The series is not really so much about the, the event or the holiday of the Pentecost. It's really about the Holy Spirit. And like for some of you guys, this may be one of the first times you're hear, really hearing about Pentecost. And maybe you've never even heard a sermon on Pentecost before. Now, that, that's kind of the point. Pentecost is, is, is a holiday or an event that we don't really talk about that much. And it's all about the Holy Spirit. And the reason we're doing this is because I think in the same way, in the same way for a lot of us, the Holy Spirit is also kind of something that we don't really talk about. And we don't really understand. And we know he's out there and people talk about it in the Bible. And people talk about it in church. But what is the Holy Spirit? How do we engage with the Holy Spirit in our lives? And so last week, We spent a whole sermon connecting the Old Testament and the New Testament, the old feasts and Passover and the cross and Pentecost, all of that for the purpose of understanding one very key point. To understand that the Holy Spirit engaging our lives, us interacting with the Holy Spirit, having a relationship with the Holy Spirit, right, the Holy Spirit is God, The point of this is that the Holy Spirit's interaction and involvement in this world and in our lives, it's not an add-on to the plan of salvation, right? It wasn't like the main thing was just like cross and I'll just throw in the Holy Spirit at the end. Like we don't really know, but I'll just put it there. But we treat the Holy Spirit like that. Like he's this kind of like additional member that we didn't really think about, we don't really understand. And we'll read the things and we're not really, really going to engage. We don't really know what that's all about. But he is God. The Holy Spirit is God. It was all part of the plan. And so the point of last week's message was this, just to catch you guys up. We cannot ignore the Holy Spirit any longer. We can't. Because we cannot say that I know God if I don't know the Holy Spirit. You can't say that. You can't say, I love Jesus, if you don't know the Holy Spirit. You cannot say, I have a relationship with God, if you don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. So we can't ignore him any longer. And I'm coming into this series and these messages, kind of in the same place as a lot of you. This is new for me, this is something that I'm learning and trying to understand, (coughs) excuse me. I'm trying to, to, to wrap my head and wrap my heart around understanding who the Holy Spirit is. Now this message series, who it's for, that's kind of what it's about. But who it's for, who it's really for, is for any of you guys who look at your walk with Jesus and your relationship with God and you feel like something is missing. Like you've been in church long enough where you feel like you should kind of get it, but you don't. There's something that is missing in your life when it comes to your spiritual life. If that's where you are, this series is really for you. Because it's possible, and I think that just maybe, the part that's missing, Might be the Holy Spirit. The thing that the Holy Spirit loves to do in our lives, that might be the thing. That might be the gel. That might be the thing that brings it all together. All the stories you learned as a kid, all the experiences that you had, all the service you've done, all the things you're doing in church, it just might be the Holy Spirit that all brings it together. And maybe that might be what you're missing. That's who this series is for. Now next week, is going to be the most difficult message of the whole series. It's the most difficult conceptually, theologically, and practically. And so that's why Pastor Jonathan is preaching that sermon next week. <laughs> I didn't do it on purpose. I didn't push it on him. It just happened that way. Trust me, or trust the Holy Spirit, that he must be the one. Pastor John is the one that the Holy Spirit wants to preach that message for, message. But today, today, today's message is a very foundational one. It's a really foundational one. It's, it's the one where like you gotta get this understanding because we're talking about how do we and how do the people in the book of Acts interact and engage with the Holy Spirit. And the thing is, the way they did it is how we're gonna do it. And so we gotta understand what the relationship that the apostles and the disciples and the followers of Jesus had with the Holy Spirit in order for us to understand what kind of relationship we can also have with the Holy Spirit. So big topic. New thing for me. Uh, diving into it at the level we're going to dive into it is really new for me. So I want to invite you guys to pray with me. We need him here. He needs to teach us. He needs to show us. We don't need me. We need him. So let's pray together. Father in heaven, I thank you, God, for bringing this message to our minds. Lord, I know that a lot of us here are, are here to celebrate the graduation. We're here because this is what we do for church. But, Lord, I ask that, that maybe this, this series, people would come in really focused on just, I want to know the Holy Spirit. I want to engage with the Holy Spirit. I want to partner with the Holy Spirit. So Lord, we know you're here. You're present. Help us to be aware of your presence. Help us to sense you, know you, and speak to us, Lord, in the ways that only you can speak. In your name we pray. Amen. So in, on the day of Pentecost, this is kind of what happened. So Acts chapter 2, the first few verses tells us what happened. So just follow along with me. If you have a Bible, if you have a phone, go to it. Um, today we don't have slides. Some stuff happened. That's cool. right? we don't need that. So, so pull out a phone, pull out a Bible. There's a, there's a, a decent amount of text that we're going to look at today. So it's going to be easy to kind of get lost <clears throat> if you're not really following along. So if you're with me, Acts chapter 2, let's look at verses 1 to 4. It reads this. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place, Suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present, here's the key, was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So the author of of Acts is a man by the name of Luke, and he's telling the story based on the eyewitnesses, people who were there, about what happened in the first part of the church. What was it like? And the word he uses to describe people's relationship or interaction with the Holy Spirit, what was the word? The word was filled. He uses the word filled to describe how people interacted with the Holy Spirit. He says that in chapter 2, verse 4, everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking other tongues and the Holy, as the Holy, uh, languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And if you grew up in church, you've probably heard that before. Filled with the Spirit. Lord, please fill me with the Spirit. But I wonder if we know what that means. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? And if we are filled with the Spirit, what happens? Anyone know? What happens when you are filled with the Spirit? And there are some things that you've heard about, you're like, that's scary and weird. And there's other things you're like, that would be crazy. What, is, what does it mean to be filled and what happens when we are filled? Like if right now the Holy Spirit, a mighty windstorm blew through and we were filled with the Holy Spirit, like what's going to happen here in this room? Are we gonna, can, we, can we perform miracles then? That'd be dope. If We could perform miracles. Uh, can we heal people then? Can we go around and bring people up and, you know, lay our hands and pray for them and, and people will healed of all things? Is that what's going to happen? Can we speak different languages? It said that here in Acts chapter 2. That would be amazing. Like, Holy Spirit, can I speak different languages? Can I have the gift of tongues before my Spanish final, you know? I maybe mean, that's that would be the perfect time for the Holy Spirit to fall, right before my Spanish final. What would happen? And when you hear those questions, there are some of you who are thinking, That would be awesome, but probably not, right? Let's be real. We live in this world the way it is. We don't really see those things. And so it's understandable. You would say, well, yeah, if the Holy Spirit comes, it's probably going to be kind of different. I don't really see us doing miraculous healings in this place. I don't know if that's really how things work. Things are probably different now than it was then, right? That would be awesome, but probably not. But here's what I want to ask you. What does Scripture say? What does Scripture say happens when people are filled with the Spirit? So today I want us to understand a little bit more what it looks like to engage with the Spirit and to understand this idea of being filled with the Spirit and also a very similar idea, being full of the Spirit, which to us sounds like exactly the same thing, right? If you're filled, then you're full. If you're full, then you've been filled. But what's interesting is that as you look at the book of Acts, being filled with the Spirit is different than being full of the Spirit. Weird, right? What do you mean? Right, because in English, fill and full, they're all basically the same word. Right? It all kind of means the same thing. One's a verb, one's a noun, or, or an adjective. Right? So, so it's, it's the same thing to be filled, full, all different versions of the same word. But what's interesting is in the book of Acts, Luke uses two different words, two very distinct words, similar words, but very distinct words when he says someone is filled and when he says someone is full. Two different words with two different meanings. And so I, I want to I show you guys what, what I'm talking about here. So when he says, like, in Acts chapter 2, they were filled with the Spirit, he uses the word pletho, pletho, which we get our English word plethora, right? The word plethora comes from playtho, right? When you have a plethora of something, you got a ton of something, right? So when, when, when he uses the word playtho, he uses that for when people are filled with the Holy Spirit. We read that in Acts chapter 2. <coughs> in Acts chapter 4, we see this happen with Peter in chapter 4, verse 8. It says, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? This is when he healed a guy. Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me tell you, clearly state to you, all of you, and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised up from the dead. So, so he's filled, he's playthoed with the Spirit in Acts chapter 4. And then at the end of chapter 4, verse 31, it says this I like this verse. After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Spirit, playthoed with this Holy Spirit. Then they preach the word of God with boldness. It's Acts chapter 4, verse 31. One more on play, though. Acts chapter 13, verse 9. Acts chapter 13, verse 9. We're going to spend a, a little bit more in this verse in different ways. Um, but this is uh, the apostle Paul. He's like getting into it with this other guy. Like they're about to have a battle. right? So in Acts chapter 13, uh, verse 9, he's dealing with this guy named Elymas, and it says this in uh, verse nine. He says, Saul, also known as Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he looked the sorcerer, so Elimus is a sorcerer. which was cool, right? right? So he looks his sorcerer in the eye, then he said to them, you son of the devil, full of every sort of deceit, and fraud and, and enemy of all that is good. Will you never stop perverting the true ways of the Lord? So the Apostle Paul was playthoed and filled with the Spirit, approaches this sorcerer and is like da-da-da-da-da-da and lays into him. Okay, so those are all playthoed. Those are all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then you have these other words, these other verses that talk of people being full of the Spirit. So let me just give you three of these, three of these. Acts chapter 6. Stay with me. Acts chapter 6. Looking at verse three. So at this time in the, in the, in the story of the church, the disciples were doing a lot of stuff and then the church was growing and then there were these widows who were not being taken care of. So they said, hey, we need to choose seven people, seven deacons, this is where you get deacons from, and we need to put them in charge of taking care of these people. So in Acts chapter six, look at what they say. And so brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. And then in verse 5, it says, Everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, Philip and like his friends and his homies. They all joined. Right? These are people who are full of the Spirit. About a guy named Barnabas in Acts chapter 11, it says about him in 11 chapter, chapter 11, verse 24, Barnabas was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and, strong in faith. and so you're probably kind of getting a sense that these are kind of different. They're different words, and they mean kind of different things. So back to that story where, where Paul was, you know, going toe-to-toe with this sorcerer. He was filled with the Spirit, started saying these things, but listen to what he says. You son of the devil, full of every sort of deceit and fraud. Same thing, same word for full here, for people full of the Spirit, but also full of deceit and like bad and evil things. So this word is not playtho, but it's the Greek word playres. So play and play It's okay. I know you're gonna forget this. That's fine. All you need to know is that being filled with the Holy Spirit is different in the book of Acts than being full of the Holy Spirit. So hopefully the wheels in your head are turning, and you're starting to get a sense at like what these two different words mean or what this is really about. So playres, being full of the spirit is often used to describe people and their character. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Spirit. Pick people who are full of the Spirit. These are good people. These are people who believe and are convicted. So the word play rest, to be full of the Spirit, the usage of it is usually about people's characters and how like, the fruits of the Spirit are present in their lives, like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all that stuff. Like, we see them, they're full of the Spirit. That's how they are. That's their Character. See, it's easy to read the book of Acts and look at the Holy Spirit and think the Holy Spirit is all about flashy miracles, healings, and doing all these crazy things. Like, that's the Holy Spirit. But what you have to understand is that the primary work of the Holy Spirit in Scripture is not flashy miracles. It's interchange and transformation. It's building up a godly, Christ-like character in you. Like, that's the main primary work of the Holy Spirit. And so, when people are full of the Spirit, what is understood about them is that they have a transformed character and they are Christ like and they are godly. Now, some of us really need to understand this. Some of us, some of you really need to hear this that transformation and change is the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, not your work in your life. You know what I'm saying? Like what some of us need, you, you have been struggling with the same thing for a long time and you've tried and tried and tried and you've read books and you've, 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 you've looked up things and you've gone to see people and it's a struggle and, and, and you've been struggling with certain things and you've talked to people and you feel like if you just try a little bit harder, you could change. But some of you need to understand, some of us need to understand is what you, what you need is not more willpower. What you need is more Holy Spirit power. Because that's his primary work, transformation, conviction, change. He does the thing that no one else can do. He does the thing that you can't do for yourself. That's the primary work of the Holy Spirit. And we see that with these people who are full, full of the Holy Spirit. In Galatians chapter 3, the apostle Paul, he says this great line in Galatians chapter 3, verse 3. He says, how foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the spirit, so you began in the spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? That's real right there. Right, the moment that you came to know Jesus and gave your life to him, if you did that at some point in your life, that was the moment of the spirit. That wasn't you. like You didn't wheel that into existence. That was the spirit working on your heart. But somewhere down the line, we changed and we started to think that we can figure everything else out and perfect ourselves in the process. But he's like, no, 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 don't be foolish. You started with the Spirit. Continue on in the Spirit. All the stuff that you need to change in your life, give it to him. He can do what you can't do for yourself. So that's play rest. That's full of the Spirit. Play though, if you kind of think about the examples that we had read earlier, it's different. People are who are playthod are equipped and, and given ability and skill for a purpose. Right? Every time someone was filled with the Holy Spirit, do you know what happened afterwards? They spoke something. Every time they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they spoke boldly. Remember the Acts chapter 4 verse. They spoke boldly after they were filled, after they were filled with the Holy Spirit. After they were filled, they were filled for a reason and a purpose. They, they preached or they taught or they spoke prophecy or something. They spoke in tongues, whatever. Like all that happened because they were filled for a reason. They were like this empty space. In fact, the meaning of plato means yes, to fulfill or to fill, But also to furnish. Right? Like if you have a home and you moved into a new place and you have no furniture, as you bring in the furniture for a very specific purpose, you wanna take this empty space and turn it into a living room. So you bring in a couch and you bring in a table. You're furnishing it for a reason. That's playtho. You put a bed in the bedroom because it has a purpose, there's a reason for that to be there. Playtho means to be filled, yes, but for a reason to furnish in order to to accomplish something. There are 14 verses in the book of Acts that use the word plato. And we saw the people at Pentecost who somehow spoke languages that, that they never knew to people they never met. You have Peter who was filled with the Holy Spirit to speak before the rulers and the authorities who killed Jesus, their master, and then he speaks boldly in front of them. And then you have Saul, the persecutor of the church, who has this experiencing Jesus. And in Acts chapter 9, there's a story where he meets this guy named Ananias, and he's like, all right, you used to be a bad guy. Now you're a good guy. Now you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then after he's filled with the Holy Spirit, he doesn't go around healing people. He doesn't go around raising the dead. It says in Acts chapter 9 that he went to the synagogue to preach about Jesus. I want you guys to understand how crazy that is. Right, if you if you know the story, Saul is an enemy of the church. Like his goal in life is to destroy the church, to kill as many Christians as possible, to get as many Christians killed, to stamp out the church into nothingness. That's his goal in life. And then in Acts chapter nine, he has this conversion experience, and then he goes back to the synagogue. Can you imagine what it was like to be a Jew in that synagogue? Like, I heard Saul's coming. Oh, this is a great weekend for me to be at synagogue today. That's crazy. Saul is coming. He's like the rising star of that age. Saul is here, oh man, I can't wait. He's gonna tell us all these great stories about how all these Christians are fake and they gave up on their faith and they died and like this is how many churches there were last year. There were 30 churches in this area. Now there's two and they would all, yeah, right? And they're, they're like, they're excited for this. And then Paul, Saul comes in and he says, hey everyone, I was wrong, sorry, never mind, forget everything I said, I was wrong, we were wrong, by the way, my name is Paul now, don't call me Saul anymore, and I think we should all believe in Jesus now. Like, is that not bold speaking? He went back to the people who encouraged him, supported him, cheered him on, his greatest fans, and even the people who financed him, gave him money, paid him in order to do this ministry, he comes back to them and said, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Maybe we should all believe in Jesus. This is what happened when people were (coughs) filled with the Holy Spirit. And then Acts chapter 4 verse, my favorite one of all these, that the people were filled with the Spirit and they spoke with boldness. Boldness is a word closely connected to the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit moves and fills people, they are bold they are not ashamed of the gospel. They speak boldly in those moment in those moments. Now, there's something that's really important that we understand about the difference between full of the spirit and being filled with the spirit. We have a few examples, a few examples in scriptures where there's a really bad person, a really not good person who is filled with the spirit. There are some examples of that. The best one is probably Samson. Bad dude not a good guy, don't be like Samson, please know that. But he had the spirit of God in him. What we see though in scriptures, that's more the exception to the rule, okay? We see that now and again, but that's not really how things work. The vast majority of people who have these experiences with the Holy Spirit are people who love the Lord, who are who are faithful, who serve, and are not terrible, terrible people like Samson. So the reason I'm saying this is what we have to understand between the fullness of the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit is that for most people, and I think this is the way God wants it to be, is that full comes before being filled, okay? Being full of the Spirit comes before being filled by the Spirit. Let me explain what that means. In other words, before we can be filled with the Spirit to accomplish a purpose for him, for the kingdom of God, we must generally first be people who are full of the Spirit, experiencing that transformative power of the Spirit in our lives. You with me? Full before filled. In other words, if you don't really care and you don't like really care about church, and you don't really care about God, you're not really surrendered to him, he's just kind of an, a, an addition to your life, he, like, you, know, you keep him in your back pocket every time you need something, you need to feel better about yourself, you pull him out. If that's where you are, generally I don't think there's gonna be a moment unless God decides to use you very specifically where you're gonna have this moment of like, oh, I'm filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Like this is not really what we see here. The people who are filled were first full of the Holy Spirit and they were growing in their character. They were, they, were, they were experiencing the powerful change that the Holy Spirit works in our lives. Paul does not, is not filled with the Spirit until he fully receives Jesus as his Lord. So he wasn't filled until he was full. And now, I, I want to be clear. This, this is not because the Holy Spirit is some kind of reward. The Holy Spirit is not like, oh, you're good enough, so I'll give you the Holy Spirit. That's not really what it's about. It's not like, oh, if you, if you do the spiritual things enough, then you receive the Holy Spirit. It's not a sign of maturity or faith. It's, that's not why you have to be full before you're filled. The reason you have to be full before you're filled is because unless we're full of the Spirit, we're not ready to do the things that come with being filled by the Spirit. Let me explain. The situations we talked about in the book of Acts, where people are filled with the Spirit, they're called bold. But they're only called bold because there were extreme risk associated with every single one of those moments. And there's so much risk involved. There is so much faith and so much trust involved in those moments for people, when they're filled with the Spirit, things could have gone very, very wrong. But because they were full of the Spirit, they had the faith and the trust to be able to follow the Spirit in those moments. Right? It's, it's a, those moments are, are, are really, really crazy. There's, there's, there's a ton of risk when it came to the miracles that we saw in the Scriptures in the book of Acts. Right, like to think what Peter was doing, preaching those messages to the people who killed his master, there was risk. They could have gotten him killed after that. Absolutely. And then that story of Paul, when he was talking to that sorcerer, remember that story? What you don't know is if you read, read that in context, that sorcerer is not just like some dude. First of all, he's a sorcerer. Like you don't mess with sorcerers, guys, all right? Unless the Holy Spirit sends you there, don't mess with sorcerers, don't go to them. You know, that's scary stuff. I'm not going to go to sorcerer, right? So he's a sorcerer, but he's also an assistant to the proconsul, meaning he was an assistant to the governor. And the governor was starting to believe in Jesus because of Paul, and then this sorcerer was trying to change his mind. And so he's a powerful, powerful man from a political standpoint, but apparently he's like spiritually in a dark way very powerful as well. The apostle Paul, filled with his Holy Spirit, goes to that guy and is like, you're a son of the devil, man. Get out of here. And listen to what he says. This is crazy. In Acts chapter 9, and you know, we don't really see this actually a, lot, a ton in scripture, but in Acts chapter, sorry, Acts chapter 13, he says the, the whole thing about you're the son of the devil, but listen to what he says afterwards. It's crazy. Paul's crazy, dude. He says this, after all that whole thing, he says to him, verse 11, hey, sorcerer, watch now, for the Lord has laid his hand of punishment upon you, and you will be struck blind. You will, ne- you will not see the sunlight for some time. That's bold. For you to go to a sorcerer, assistant to the governor, and be like, I'm going to make you blind. Or God's going to make you blind right now. What if it didn't happen? Right? What if he's like, I'm going to make you blind. And the guy's like, I can see fine. I can see everything very clearly right now. Like, what would have happened? Like, I mean, that's embarrassing, yeah. But that would negate the entire message of Saul. Like, you would think that from a, from a logical perspective, Paul is probably better not to do those things. Right, like the governor is believing you. You don't have to go all crazy because what if it didn't work? But Paul was full of the spirit, meaning he was full of faith and trust and he could say those things, right? Like I don't know if you guys ever, this is a really, really bad analogy, okay? This is a really bad one, but I wanna share it, right? Have you guys ever, and it's because Miles and I are really into card tricks right now, like at home we try to do card tricks with each other. Have you ever done a card trick that you thought was really cool in front of people and then you messed up in the middle of the card trick? And you're like, is this your card? And they're like, no. Remember how embarrassing that is? That's so embarrassing, right? And this is like a thousand times worse. Miles is mad because he did that last week. But right, this is way worse than that, right? You like you go and I'm gonna do this thing. It could have been really, really bad. Super high risk, super high reward, absolutely. But all those things take boldness, they take faith. And trust that whatever is is moving on your heart, the conviction that comes from the Holy Spirit, it it might not happen. Or even if it does, something else in return might happen back to you. Do you trust me enough to move with the Spirit? That's why we have to be full before we're filled. I was listening to um, this message this week. And a pastor was talking about his mentor. And he was talking about how his mentor is like, he's like one of those pastors, one of those guys, he like prays for everything. Like everything and anything, he'll pray for you. And he was recounting this, this one time, it was him and then a friend of theirs in the car and they were driving. And while they were driving, this guy, the guy who's preaching, he said he started coughing. Cause he was like not feeling well, he was feeling sick. So he started coughing and the pastor's driving and he says, what's wrong? You okay? And he's like, I just got a little bit of a cough. And while he's driving, He puts his hand on his chest, and he starts praying for him. By the name of Jesus Christ, you are healed from this sickness or whatever, right? Like, he just started praying for him like that while he's driving. And then he's like, oh, okay, that's crazy, right? And then a little bit later on the drive, the person down there says, hey, in the backseat, do you have any Tylenol? Do you have any Advil? And the pastor goes, why? What's wrong? Oh, I just have a little bit of a headache. While he's driving, he sticks his hand backwards and puts his hand on her head and starts praying for her. Okay, now, we're laughing because, like, this is weird, right? Like, when I think about it, I'm like, I'm not going to do that. And I don't think you want me to do that, right? Like, if any time anyone said, I'm going to come and, like, lay hands and pray for you, like, you would probably think, like, that's a little bit weird, that's a little bit odd, you know, and it's kind of different and funny and it's, it's kind of silly. But this, this pastor, he asked him, he's like, hey, why do you do that stuff? Why do you do that? Because like, you know, man, it's like kind of weird. And like, it's okay because it's us. Like, we know you and we're friends and we work together. But like, he does this to other people. You're like, that makes people feel a little bit weird. Why do you do that? And, and, and this is what the pastor said. I thought this was really good. It made me think a lot. He said, the reason I do that, the reason I pray for people in those ways and like in any circumstance, he said, it's because I have a high expectation that God will use me. And then I heard that, and I was like, do I? Do you? Do you have a high expectation that God will use you to do something? When I think about my life, I'm like, sometimes... Maybe, not all the time. But let's be honest, why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't God want to use every single person in this room to do something amazing for his kingdom? Why wouldn't he? Like what would it be like if we lived our lives with a high expectation for God to use us? Do any of us have that high expectation? right? And it's not an arrogant proud kind of thing, like, I'm so good, God is going to use me, I'm so holy. It's not that. It's a humble understanding that, like, God wants, of what God wants to do. Why wouldn't he want to use every single one of you? At the store or at school, at your workplace, at your church, at a play date, playing basketball, why wouldn't he want to use every single one of us? Made me think a lot. So, we're talking about how what comes first is we need to be full of the Spirit and the question hopefully you're thinking is why? Or not why, how? How do I do this? And I want to share just kind of one last analogy or one last thing that I learned that that was really good to help us understand what it means to be full or how to be full of the Holy Spirit. The other word in the book of Acts that is connected to being full or filled with the Holy Spirit is the word baptized. And you've seen this, where people were baptized by the Holy Spirit. Now, Um, What's interesting is that there are two words for baptize. And baptize literally means dip, okay? So in Greek, baptize literally means dip. And there are two words for dip in the Bible, or not in the Bible. There are two words for dip in Greek. One is bapto. Can we all say bapto? And the second is baptizo. Can we all say baptizo? So, bapto and baptizo, two different words, both mean dip. How do we know what the difference is? Well, about 200 years before Jesus was born, there was a guy named Nikander. Nikander, He's not a Christian. Before Jesus was born, he was actually a physician. He was a poet. He was a grammarian. And interestingly enough, he was also a part-time chef. Weird, Right? So this physician, poet, grammarian, chef, they found something that he wrote, and what he wrote was a recipe for pickles, for how to make pickles. So weird, right? So random. Where am I going with this? You'll see. Don't worry. They found his recipe for pickles, and he wrote that you must first dip a cucumber into hot boiling water And then after you do that, you must dip it into a vinegar solution, and then you leave it there. That's how you make pickles. That makes sense. So, in this recipe, though, he uses both words for dip, bapto and baptizo. Which one was which? Which one was which? He uses both words, and this is what he says. He says, when you dip the cucumber in the hot boiling water, he uses... Baptō, And when he says you dip it in the solution and you leave it there continually forever, that is baptizo. What you need to understand is the word bapto is not in the Bible. When someone is dipped or baptized, it's always baptizo. Meaning that it was never meant to be a momentary dip in and out. But it's a dippage or a dipping into the solution and you stay there forever. That's baptizo. That's what we find in scripture. That's what they mean when they say you're baptized. You're not baptized in the Holy Spirit. You're baptizoed in the Holy Spirit. You're dipped and then you close the lid and then you stay there. And you sit there and you soak it in and you're in there and you're surrounded there. Not for a moment, not for a period of time, but all the time. That's what a pickle is. This continual immersion is actually the things that brings about change, isn't it? I don't know how to make pickles. I'm assuming that's why it works. But it's, it's continual immersion in the solution that is actually what turns a cucumber into a pickle. And let's think about this. If you eat a pickle, is there any chance we have pickles for potluck today? That would be crazy. No? Okay, that's fine. I was thinking about bringing some stuff, but I was like, let's let the Holy Spirit lead. But it's okay. It's a small thing. Not a big deal. All right. <clears throat> but if you eat a pickle, what does it taste like? Does it taste like a cucumber? It doesn't taste like a cucumber anymore. It tastes like the solution. Right? It tastes like the thing that it's surrounded by. It looks like a cucumber. But it's kind of different, doesn't it? You look at a pickle and a cucumber, they look pretty similar. The color is a little bit off, but it's very, very similar. They look like, it looks like what it once was, but it does not. But on the inside is is not what it once was. Because it's been soaked and surrounded by this vinegar solution, the thing that was around it got in it. The thing that was surrounding it affected it and changed it. And now it's more like the solution than like what it once was when it was a cucumber. That's baptism. When he says we're baptized with the Holy Spirit, when we're simply full of the Spirit, that's how you do it. You get dipped in and then you stay in and you are surrounded by the Spirit in your life to the point where it starts to get into you and seep into you and start to change you from the inside out. See, I'm beginning to realize, and this is the big realization for me. When it comes to the Holy Spirit and being full of the Holy Spirit, we think of how I can get a lot of Holy Spirit in me. Spirit, come in. Spirit, come in. Spirit, come in. I invite you into my heart. I invite you into my soul, right? That's how we pray about it. That's how we think about it. But what I realize when it comes to being full of the Spirit, it has less to do with how much you have of the Spirit, and it has more to do with how much the Spirit has of you. Two totally different things. It's not about me. Give me more spirit. It's allowing and relinquishing more control of your life to the spirit. That is how you are full of the spirit. The more you surrender and submit, and you do that by surrounding yourself with him in in prayer and in study and reflection, you put yourself in position where he can seep in to your bones. You dip yourself and stay in the mindset and the perspective of the kingdom of God Not so it can get into you so you can have more, but because it allows you to relinquish more space and control and direction to the Holy Spirit. The more the Holy Spirit has of you, the more full of the Holy Spirit you are. So I want to end with a statement, a command to you. It's not in the Bible, but I'm going to say it like it is in the Bible so there's more authority to it. My command to you Be ye, therefore, pickled in the Spirit. Be ye, each and every one of you, be ye, therefore, pickled in the Spirit. And in that pickling, in that transformation, in that change, God will create in us a new person. He will bring forth a new person that is full of faith, that when those moments come, he will fill you with the Holy Spirit for a purpose, to do something amazing, for the kingdom of God. Why wouldn't he wanna do that with each and every single one of you? So let us be full, let us work on being full. Let us pray the prayer this week, Holy Spirit, make me full. Pickle me in the spirit this week. So that one day in those moments, we've, as we've changed and transformed, we'd have those moments to be filled and do something for the kingdom, full. Let's be full and trust that one day we will be filled. Be ye therefore pickled in the spirit. Let's pray. Gracious God in heaven, we are unworthy of your grace. We're unworthy of the Holy Spirit. Lord, and that's kind of the point. The point is that there is no one worthy to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There is no one good enough to have you but you, 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 you share yourself with us because you are good and because through our faithfulness, through our ability, through our, our, our willingness to be surrounded and pickled in you, your glory and your goodness will be shown to everyone around us. It's not about being good enough or spiritually enough. It's not what it's about. It's about being surrounded by the Holy Spirit that loves us and that wants the best for us this Holy Spirit that wants to change us and remove all the things that hurt us and fill us up with all the things that are good for us. Lord, let us focus not on being filled to do some crazy things. Let us not focus so much on the miracles and the prophecy and the healings, but just each and every day that we would strive to just stay in that solution, to be, stay in a place where we're surrounded by your influence. Thank you, God. Let us take a step forward. We pray that prayer right now on behalf of the people in this place. Lord, Holy Spirit, make us full. Make us full today. In your name we pray, amen.